And now it's time for Cadaver Classics. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode five of Cadaver Classics. I'm Mike, and with me, as always, is the pod god himself, Stephen. What's up, my man? Not much, my child. How are we doing? Um, I have been reading the wise words of Stephen, and I don't know that I grasp them all. I don't know if I'm ready to be a pod god. Well, your time will come, my disciple. I'm starting to doubt it. I mean, I look at your prowess and then look at my own. Oh, doubt not, my son. Doubt not. <laughs> oh, that's that's great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, typically we talk about old or older movies who, who that are classics in our eyes but we've decided to take a a bit of a of a of a path that we hadn't taken before this episode and we're going to be talking about some brand new independent movies um what is this episode 5 i don't have a fucking clue whatever i bear i think i know i think i barely know that i think i whatever <laughs> i looked that up earlier today that's how that's how uh how organized we are and how ready we are to do this stuff. And it, you know? it honestly doesn't matter. It could... No, it, it doesn't, <laughs> you know, um, and we actually we're we're doing more movies than we, than we typically do. But, um, we're, we were also planning on doing an even bigger show with three more movies added to the mix. But, but man, technical issues, you gotta, you gotta hate that shit, right? Oh yeah. And now, I, I will address this with Brudinsky when I talk to him uh, sometime okay. this week. But I opened my copy of Italian... Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, you're, you were, you're interviewing him this week? Um, I don't know. Uh, I haven't talked to him yet. But I'm good. Oh, but, <laughs> but yeah, oh I'm, am I ruining your... Am I, oh, sorry. All right. Well, sorry. No, we, I mean, we'll, we'll let the listeners... We'll draw back the curtain, or, curtain for the listeners. Um, okay. But, but first off, Brudinsky... My fucking copy of Italian Zombie Movie One and Two that I bought at Horror Hound, straight out of the package, was fucking scratched. So, oh. so that's a bitch. But so you had to loan me <laughs> your copy, and I didn't have a chance to watch it yet, or at right. least get through both of them anyway. So, um, so we'll be talking to Burdinsky, and we're just going to do Italian Zombie One and Two on the next JAFMP, I believe, is what we decided, right? That that is that it was the plan. All right, and we'll try to get Burdinsky on too, and uh, I'll give him shit then, if um, <laughs> he agrees to come on. But yes, but yeah, we've got a full fucking schedule tonight. Uh, what four or five movies we're going to be talking about? Four four movies that made it. We were going to do more, but man, I I tell you what, we were. I almost passed out with how. Um, ambitious i got with this and so i started getting lightheaded and i'm like okay let's hold let, let's rein it in a little and, and, and settle on four movies yeah and and do you want to tell them why we are doing this instead of uh our regular classics i'll tell you why do you, do you, should i give them some line of bullshit as to that we really want to uh uh, you know, give the independent filmmakers their due and in, in, in their credit, or should we say that, tell them the truth and just say that, man, I get I get a bunch of screeners and people <laughs> keep asking about it and I'm too lazy to do them, so I figured let's just do them all in one show, you know, do a bunch of them in one show, and uh, I actually have more to talk about uh, because I do have a fantastic brand new Cadaver Lab announcement at the end of this episode that uh, will will address a little bit more of that, but uh, for now. We're ju we're just gonna kind of uh, we're just gonna kind of start clearing the plate of the the indie flicks that I've been getting in the mailbox. 
Sounds like a winner. And, uh, and also let's, uh, you know, let's honor the independent filmmaker and the hard work that they do. And, uh, maybe if you're listening, some of you people, maybe you'll fucking learn something because, uh, some of y'all are, I'm going to have to let you have it. <clears throat> uh, if, uh, if I, if I let you have it, then don't listen to me. I'm full of crap. Uh, my opinion means nothing. The only reason I do a podcast at all is to listen to my, my sweet, sweet voice, which, uh, I get aroused by as do, as do, as do I, well, of course I know you do. Well, yeah. That's what but, it's there for. But, well, yeah, I mean, cause after every episode we'd go do it and, 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 uh, you say, Luke, I am your father. And then, and then we do some, uh, some swords play <laughs> with, with our big giant erect penises. It, it's amazing. Or, we, or penine. penine. <laughs> and, um, let, let me just start off by saying, uh, you know, a couple nights ago I listened to, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Jesus fuck. <laughs> uh Oh, something's going down in the classics in the classic studio. Yes. Uh, yeah. My wife is asleep behind me, and I think she just rolled over and kicked something off the bed. <laughs> so keep it down out there. All right. Okay. All right. So okay. anyway, all right. I'm a big fan of Mark Twain because if there is an American storyteller that knew his shit, it's fucking Mark Twain. Sure. And, of course, he's fucking hilarious. Uh, he's the supreme fucking American wit right up there with Will Rogers. <laughs> But I was listening to a review of his, uh, was it James Fenimore Cooper, Cooper's The Deerstalker. So, you know, we're talking about him doing a review of a book. You know, this review is almost 100 years old. Oh, Mark Twain was doing a review of The Deerstalker. Right. Okay. And it talks about all these storytelling rules that Fenimore uh, broke during the course of his novel, which apparently... Mark Twain hate it, but, mm -hmm. but I'm going to urge if you are a fucking writer or a screenwriter or a movie maker, listen to this fucking review and uh, it's available. It's in the public domain. Uh, as a matter of fact, I got it as an audio book on some app I downloaded for my Android phone. Do you think we could maybe even get a link to that uh, yeah. to download that? Yeah, well, let's do that. Let's do that for the show. Okay. Yeah. I'll send you, I'll send you a copy. Cause I'd, I'd be interested in reading that or listening to that. But just how the main thing, a lot of his points are very simple, very obvious points. Like, uh, if you're going to put a character in your story, have a reason for that character being to be there. If you're, uh, do, um, I mean, having watched a lot of 80 slashers do, uh, willing to bear their breasts, does that count? Now, to me, it does. Okay. Yeah, but we are talking, we're talking about the, what, um, late 1800s early 1900s so well sure so i don't know how much breast bearing was going on in uh, james fenimore cooper's <laughs> novels <laughs> okay but but there there is so much common sense wisdom in this review that every mm -hmm. storyteller should fucking listen to it or read it and uh, especially the people that are making independent movies today because again they are violating all these fucking rules of storytelling and so I think, so I just want to throw that out there as we begin, because, you know, once we get into things, you know, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to have to, you know, be open and honest and, you know, critical. Yes, I think so. So, so there you go. Uh, well, well, our, our, uh, our professional, uh, 
uh, integrity's on the line here. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I am the pod god for a reason. Sure. And part of that reason is my uh, journalistic integrity. <laughs> where I flat out uh, say... Your rapier wit? <laughs> that too. Okay. All right. My wit Man, is, that is as dry as the Sahara. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That is, oh man, I'm I'm ready to get into this. Do I mean? Do we have something to talk about? I mean, do we have any ball talk, or do we have anything like that? Um, or we we got four movies to do. Yeah, we got four movies to do. Let's get into it. And uh, I've got some ball talk stuff for next time. So, uh, okay, so we'll just, as long we'll just as you hold, promise. Oh, I promise, my friend. <laughs> okay, sweet. Okay, well then, you know, let's just let's just dive right into it, then, man. All right, sure. Which one you want to start with? Let's start with Attack of the Vegan Zombies. All right. Uh, the year was 2010. It was uh, written and directed by Jim Townsend. The year was um, 2010. One... Jim Townsend yes. sat before his word processor <laughs> and banged out the script for Attack of the Vegan Zombies. <gasps> wow. You know what? I should let you do all the intros here. Um, I mean, because all I'm saying is it would be much more epic <laughs> and masterpiece theater-esque. <laughs> but... But anyway, uh, Jim Townsend, let's see, this was his only writing and directing and acting credit on IMDb. Uh, but he has, you know, had some miscellaneous crew on a few flicks. Um, and he, he actually starred in this as, uh, as a, a guy named Joe. Uh, like I said, uh, he starred as Joe. Uh, Chris, Christine Egan uh, starred as Dion. H. Lynn Smith was played mother and Wyatt Gunter played Professor Frank. Why don't you break down the plot for us a little bit there, Stevie? Okay, well, what you've got is a failing vineyard. And uh, fortunately, Mother and the wife of the owner happen to be witches. So they cast a spell on the uh, barren land so that it will be fruitful. And replenish the wine. Unfortunately, uh, they use a little blood that was tainted with alcohol. And now the plants and anyone who was attacked by the plants um, <clears throat> have this thirst for uh, wine. So anyone drinking the wine, their blood becomes uh, a valuable commodity to these killer plants that grow up. And um, mm -hmm. anyone that's attacked by the plants becomes a zombie that is not in search of flesh, but is in search of more fucking wine. Uh Bunch of luscious. Yeah, and so you've got, I guess, a uh, drunken uh, fucking grapevines attacking people, yep. turning them yep. into zombies who uh, are in turn uh, going around attacking everyone who has drank wine. And that's pretty much it. That that's basically what you got. Um, so basically, what how it's set up is is you know we have Jim and Dion who are running this place and. It opens up where they're they're in an off year, and you know we're we're seeing the Joe. He wants to give up. You know he's he's about had it enough of working these, you know the land, and then uh, really the the story really starts taking off the following year or the following season, I guess, when uh, a bunch of people are brought to the vineyard for different reasons to help them out in uh, I guess harvesting the grapes. Oh uh, yeah, we have we have uh, two Uber nerds. Um, let's see, and I can, let's see, let's see here, I've got it right here, uh, what played by Wyatt Smith, played one of them, and I, and I can't, 
can't tell who did the other one. Uh, Mike Shiflet played Fred. Um, yeah, who cares? Anyway, uh, the important yeah, thing I, are the two, the thing are the two blogs that. Yeah. They, okay. I was gonna say you had the two Uber nerds there with their with their uh, professor, and then we had the two blondes uh, that were there as well. And I guess what they were cheerleaders or something at the same school, and it needed some extra credit or something like that. It doesn't really matter. They're there. And um, actually, I think I think I, weren't they being paid to be there? Oh, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. And you know the problem with this is too is I watched it a week ago, and so some of the details I guess are being lost on me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is they're all there. The, the movie, I guess, basically is just trying to figure out what's going on, why it's happening, and then trying to figure out what to do when, <laughs> when they do figure out what's going on. But uh, can, I, can I first – let's do this. Let's first talk about the positive things of the movie. What, what do you say to that? Okay, yeah, there was a, a short lesbian scene. Yes, like they came out of nowhere. Yeah, and it was awesome. That scene should have been like at least three minutes longer. At least 30 minutes longer is what you said, right? Well, I said three, but 30 works for me too. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, I actually, in I mean, this is a movie that it, it's very serious in tone. It's It's shot like a serious horror movie, but yet at the same time, it's got such a ludicrous premise and a few one-liners here and there that really make it seem like a comedy. So well, I wasn't... Yeah, well, let's let's talk about the tone. I mean, you you open up the or you you look at the cover, and on the cover the the tagline is zero trans fats has never been so deadly. You know, just I mean that seems kind of silly. Mm-hmm. You have you know, but then you start watching it. And you're right. It was I mean it was very somber and totally serious. It was depressing kind of from the beginning. You know, I mean not depressing, but it was it was serious from the beginning because you know here we are at this uh, farmer who's going through a rough year, and then out of, I mean then you'll have your moments of levity and whatever. And the levity was brought you know by the by the two nerds. Yes, you know, which two was uber spastic nerds. Which and and that was the thing. It was those two characters were so far out of tone with the rest of the movie and they were so well, stereotypical, you know, I mean, basically it belongs back in like those two characters came directly out of revenge of the nerds. Revenge of the nerds. Exactly. Did you just say revenge of the nerds? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Well, you know, and honestly, I think that would have been fine as long as they toned it down when, when, you know, the shit started hitting the fan and, and not just in it. So here, here's a, here's a, for instance, I wrote down, I can't remember exactly what the scene is there. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of crap going on and we've had this intense music, stuff like that. Then all of a sudden we cut to these two kids and there's the derpy derpy music and mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're being their nerdy selves right in the middle of uh, what I thought was supposed to be an intense sequence. And it really, it, it made me just kind of like, you know, uh, get out i guess not like get not that i was so really into the movie but it just really kind of broke my my concentration and just you know made me shrug i shrugged my shoulders inside and maybe a little eye rolling a little bit of eye rolling yes okay yeah i'll give that to you yeah uh, that, that's that's the way i felt and you know that being said i actually enjoyed this movie probably more than uh at least two of the others we watched Oh really? Yeah, I thought it was actually, as far as filmmaking goes, it was it was actually pretty solid all the way through. But well, filmmaking goes, but and I agree with you. And the the story the story you know was 
there was a the writing the writing hurt me a little bit in all. in what and that's and that's the one thing that hurt me in what respect just just the just the dialogue a lot of the dialogue was stupid a lot of the dialogue was uh really i had a hard time with is is uh you know here here's the thing i think that the they, there were a couple of really good characters, which were the mother and uh, Dion. Mm-hmm. I actually think they both did a wonderful job. Oh, I agree with um, you. And, however, I think that those were the the only two characters that really were treated how I, how I think everybody should have done. I, it, it almost seems to me like like uh, Jim took more time and and, and energy into you know, focusing on what they're doing, what they're saying, then the rest of them, and it was kind of distracting when they weren't on the screen or when they weren't alone together. Well, again, I think it comes down to this like mix of tone. Yeah. And, uh, you, and you be- could, that could be right. And there was, because there was a lot going on with the, the relationship between those three main characters, you know, the husband with, right. I mean, there could have been probably a lot more time spent on his problem with alcoholism that, right. I mean, but you know, what alcoholic, you know, recovering alcoholic decides to go into the winemaking business. That 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 part kind of threw me. I, I think it's actually a stuntman alcoholic. He's uh, you know he, he's used to like living life on the edge. You know. Oh, is that? And so being right there, his adrenaline just rushes the second he goes outside. See all those grapes. <laughs> I don't know. You're right. That's a good point. I didn't even think of that. But yeah, I mean they're they're. And then, like I said, the nerd characters weren't, I mean, they were just so cookie cutter. And, well, no, yeah, and, and again, and the blonde, the two blondes, yeah, they were, you know, there for eye candy, give the professor and the two nerds somebody to ogle over. Right. But, you know, there were, I mean, there were some funny lines, like they had their like lesbian encounter. And then right. like later on, this big vine comes out of, uh, one of the infected girl's mouths and it was like oh my god she's got a long tongue and the girl says yeah i know and it was you know there's a bunch of little, right. little one-liners like that but they were delivered like perfectly straight so i mean i enjoyed that because it was kind of you know it didn't it wasn't it didn't draw attention to the humor it was it almost made it was almost the kind of thing you would expect them to say Right. With I mean, it didn't draw attention to the fact that they were telling jokes through this, but right. at the same time, again, you know, it, it was a whole tone thing going from very somber to one-liners that really kind of threw me. But everything else about the movie, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the concept. I thought it was pretty interesting. You know, at least finally we're seeing you know a little something different with the zombie thing. Right. No. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I was actually we were. We were just discussing that before, but I want to save that conversation for the final movie that we're going to be talking about. Okay. Um, but no, you know, I th- it sounds like you like this movie a little bit better than I did. And, and I don't. I think that uh, technically it was it was fine. I mean, the. In, in, tell me if you think this is lame of me. Whenever I watch a really really low budget movie, you know, um, I always seem to give it a little bit of extra credit. You know, maybe for lack of, you know, acting skills or, you know, lack of um, uh, editing or even, you know, effects, things like that. You know, especially with the CG and whatnot. Right. Um, 
And so, you know, I mean, so that's, I think, and and it doesn't bother me to do that. It's hard for me to uh, compare one of the movies we'll be talking about today with, say, Thor, you know, which is the biggest Hollywood blockbuster that I've seen so far this summer. You know, it's, it's, it just, to me, seems like two whole different animals. Um, Oh, absolutely. Almost. And, you know, so, so I kind of have my own criteria for this in, in the, the one, the only thing that I kind of had a hard time with this one, or the main thing anyway, was that, uh, I mean, I can, I can forgive a lot of the, you know, of the, of the smaller issues, but I don't know, for a while I, I, I didn't, I just kind of lost my, my, I don't know, my gusto for this movie a little bit, maybe about halfway into it. It just got really slow for me, but as far as uh, I mean, as far as uh, like you were saying, a story goes, the unique plot, you know, and and whatever. I I mean, this is good. I mean, it was really a solid story. Given in obviously it was low budget, but you know what? It like you were saying earlier, it's all about the story. It's the story that makes the that makes the movie, and not necessarily what you can do with giant hammers and stuff like that. But whatever. Hey, don't be dissing Thor now. I actually like I Thor. I love Thor, but but um, here's the thing: there there are rookie mis- or I guess mistakes that are made in a lot of low budget movies, and we'll get to some of those, you know, technical things or what have you. Mm-hmm. You know, mistakes you can make right off the bat that will draw attention to the fact that you are making a low budget movie, or that yeah, you're watching a low budget movie. And in this is one of those movies where, to me, it. You know, like you said, you tend to give it a pass if you know that you're watching a $10,000 movie. You right. give some things a pass. Right. This, when I was watching it, after about 10, 15 minutes, budget never even occurred to me. You know, it, it never once, mm-hmm. I never once when looking at this, did I think, oh, okay, well, this is good for the budget. Well, and I don't, I don't think, I think it rose above, I think it rose above its budget. Well, I think Jim, I I think sometimes people are with these low budget movies are um, tempted to, you know, have delusions of grandeur maybe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they'll, they'll add the, they'll, they'll, I think they'll film the movie thinking, okay, we're going to add some sweet, wicked ass CG in here, you know? And then when they get to the CG and the CGs and they, they can only afford crap. Right, you know, and like uh, for instance, there. Oh, what was the movie? The Dead Hate the Living. Have you ever heard seen that show? No, I haven't. It's seen an that old one yet. Full Moon, I believe. But I mean, the, the movie was fine. It was just that when they put in the CG to that, oh my gosh, it looked, it was really distracting. And I don't, and I, I in this, I don't think that uh, that Jim tried to do anything like that. I, you know, I think that he was um, did what he could with what he had. You know, and uh, I don't know. I still didn't love the hell out of this movie, but, you know, it was solid. Yeah, I thought it was solid. I, and I was entertained. And, it, you know, like I said, it didn't it didn't feel as the budget didn't feel as low as it probably was. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because, you know, I was interested in the story. Um, at least half the actors were doing a really good job. <laughs> and uh you know the stuff that the stuff that was distracting to me had nothing to do with the budget i just really hated the nerd characters because they were right. so you know stereotypical and right. you know there was, was was some issues with the tone but you know all in all i i i was entertained for an hour and a half and you know that's pretty much all i can expect <laughs> well you know i think also um and i i 
I don't know. I mean, having I mean, having watched a few of these really extra low budget movies, but you know, maybe not having. I, I mean, there there are uh, I'm sure people out there who are way more used to this stuff, like I was. I mean, or else I don't know. I would have thought Lethal Obsession had some good merit, but of course I don't. Maybe if I'd you know been a little bit more in tune with the low budget, I would have thought that was awesome. No. No, you say no? Okay. Um, that was bad either way? I <laughs> think, yeah, there, Lethal Obsession, there's no excuse for that fucking movie. You know, I, I, think, uh, I think Jim Townsend, if, if he continues to, to make these movies, I think he's going to do a great job. And I'm not saying that to try to, you know, because I'm so awesome. I just think that I, there are moments that, were, that I, you could see a lot of, um, you know, a lot of a kind of a future in it. Oh, yeah, a lot definitely of a lot of potential, potential. there. Yeah, and so you know, and so I would say, uh, you know, maybe give this, maybe the, give this movie a, a shot, and uh, look forward to uh, more stuff that Jim's got coming out. Uh, the The website is attackofthevegansombies.com. dot com. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I hope that uh, I mean, not, I obviously he's not going to listen to this and, and take my advice or anything like that. But I hope he can kind of get over some of those, uh, you know, just some of the the the. the, the shortcomings of this one and do it better i was i was actually reading in uh well i uh, i was reading what's it's a movie by robert or it's a sorry it's a book by uh Ra, rodriguez robert rodriguez mm-hmm. uh something to do with uh was it rebel, rebel without, without, a, without crew? a crew yeah yeah great book i read the uh i read the uh the intro to that in the library the other day and he said something to the effect of uh you know what you're gonna make five to ten really shitty movies you know they're gonna be your first really shitty movies and not that I'm saying this is shitty, but according to IMDb, this is his first shot. And, you know, so I can, I just can imagine when he's got, you know, 5'10 under his belt. So Yeah, I agree with you there. I think he's got a lot of potential, a lot of talent. And uh, now he played Jim, is that correct? Yes, he did. And well, he seems, I wonder how old this guy is. I don't know. I'm kind of curious because he looked to me like he was in his, like, early 30s at least. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm just kind of curious a little bit background on this guy. Oh, he was born in 1971. Yeah, so he's only he's 40. Yeah, he's only a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this, I'm I'm just kind of curious what he's been doing for the past uh, 20 years before he decided to because most most of what, <laughs> most of the stuff we've been looking at, you know, these guys are, you know, in their 20s. You're putting well, out their first name. So, so, and that may be why his turned out better is because, and and that well, and, and also a look more look life what he's experience. Doing here. So. Well, he's he's been on. He's had miscellaneous crew uh, credits here on IMDb starting in 1995, and it looks like he's been steadily working with that uh, production manager producer. Um, but uh, his directing, writing, and actor has all been into this one. So you know, and that probably could have a lot to lot to do yeah, with. So uh, he, he's probably got. Uh, yeah, he's definitely got some experience under his belt. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm looking forward to see what else, he, what he does next. Yep, me too. Sweet man, you got anything else to say about Attack of the Vegan Zombies? Uh, no, I think uh, I pretty much said it all. I, I kind of enjoyed this one. Cool. Uh, I will say uh, there can never be too much lesbo scenes. Yeah, um, if, if that, I have, that's my advice. Yeah, that's my one criticism. <laughs> that scene was way too short because they were freaking cute. Well, okay. <laughs> All right, there. Easy there. You okay? Well, well no, I'm up. just saying, you know, regardless of what your budget is, um, you know, there are ways to get nudity and lesbians into your film. So so don't let a low budget, you know, stop you from going for that. 
Yeah. In fact, the, go, the, the go. cheaper they are, the more likely they are to do lesbian scenes. Exactly. I mean, what? T- what? what? <laughs> and, and see, that's the thing. You don't waste your money on you know, crappy CG effects. Right. You don't need that. All you need are a couple of chicks willing to you know, make out. Topless. <laughs> oh, that is beautiful. Sweet, man. All right. So uh, let's... Uh, how about uh, we just move right on? You, we don't need a break, are we? Do you? Um, Do it. No, should we, should no, we I'm check good. the time here? Uh, we're we're only about thirty minutes in. Wow. Okay. Good. Um, Normally we'd be get... still talking about our balls. <laughs> you know what? They're going to be. They're going to be. People are going to be shocked that they actually get some good stuff, <laughs> and they won't be like, "Man, good thing they talked." Well, or else they'll be like, "Good thing they talked about my movie early, so I didn't have to listen <laughs> to the whole thing." <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We'll uh, get to that. Our... Yeah. <clears throat> Second movie we're going to be talking about today is Girl Number 3 from 2009. This was uh, written and directed, another written and directed by Herschel Zahn III, and it was actually written by Nathan Thomas Milner, who um, actually wrote a graphic novel called Girl Number 3, and uh, he also helped with the screen. Oh, pardon me, the screenplay. Let's see, it starred uh, Julie Strebel. As Max, Kent Carney is the nameless man. Jason Crow is the cute guy. I bet you know exactly who I'm talking about there, Steve. Oh, the guy with the beard just like yours? No. Oh, I don't know which Who's the cute the cute guy in the costume shop? You know, that 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 really tells me a lot about what you what you think about me by the way. No, I think it was the I think it was the guy with the goatee. Uh, let's see. Carol Dines as Beverly and Sean Dolphin as the leader. The leader. Um, the leader. I am the leader. <laughs> oh man, this. Okay, so basically, this movie is uh, has has a simple plot. Uh, it is uh, Max. Let's see, Maxine Carpenter basically was uh, you know kind of a, a day in the life of her where she's uh, looks like she has a day off, and you know she we we find out she's an artist, and and she's it's it's around Halloween, and she's got to go to the. Uh, the Halloween shop, like the spirit Halloween shop and go pick up a sexy, uh, Halloween costume, of course, for the sorority's annual Halloween costume party. Um, the problem is, is after some awesome hijinks at the spirit Halloween store, she gets abducted by a gang of, uh, guys wearing hoodies and masks. And she was basically taken to an old, I think it was the Jabberwockies, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was those sons of bitches. You know, that's what they're doing. I haven't seen them for a while. That's what they've been doing lately. Yeah, apparently having rituals in a warehouse. Well, and, we'll get to the ritual sweet part ass later. Dance moves. Oh yeah. Well, I think that sweet ass dance moves always lead to rituals in a factory. But uh, anyway, so she, so that she's taken to a factory in a secluded part of town. She finds out that she's one of what thirteen girls that have been abducted, and uh, they it, I think it was nine. Go through the, oh, okay. I can't even remember. <laughs> All I know is that she was girl number three. Yeah, because and okay. because they make a point to say you are girl number three. Oh, girl number three. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm not the number. Anyway, so... I'm a free bitch. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna was make a roots one? comment there. A roots comment. Oh, I, I never would have gone that way. Here I'm going, Ooh. going for the prisoner, but the roots thing would work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So basically, they find out that this ritual is all just to get some hot chicks and rape them, and then apparently ki- uh, kill them later on. But uh, Max kind of gets away through some, 
you know, fighting back in the fortunate happenings. And uh, uh, she basically takes it on herself and uh, let's just say gets bloody revenge while trying to save some of the other girls. Anything else that I missed there? Uh, no, plot-wise, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Uh, so what'd you think about it? Um, yeah. All right. Let me just say this. I do like, I do like the idea. The The mm-hmm. whole idea of this is like uh die hard in a warehouse with a fucking hatchet. Right. Fucking awesome. Go around and sure. fucking, you know, the victim gets loose and takes revenge on all the guys and with a fucking ax. That's fucking awesome. I can deal with that. Especially when she's a hot chick. Yeah. Especially when she's a hot chick in a cute little maid's outfit. <laughs> French maid. Exactly. And, the opening, the opening sequence. I wasn't sure what I was going getting into here because the opening sequence seemed kind of like the beginning of Martyrs. You remember the opening sequence of Martyrs where the girl's escaping, right? All right. Yep. For, but in like nineteen sixty nine or something. However, yep. there was nothing in that scene that suggested that was like nineteen sixty nine. It's the exact same warehouse. It looks exactly the same when we get to present day. Uh, uh-huh. I, I don't understand what the point of it being 1969. I don't. Well, well, did we know what the point of it was? Did we know what the plot of it was? I mean, because I don't even remember it, it really going back to it. No, it never does. It, I just, think they found that book where I guess these guys have been doing this like every year or something on Halloween. Maybe, and I just assume it was some kind of a of a fraternity. Maybe I don't know, like or kind of a club. You know, you know how like you have your the fraternities, they have their secret rituals once every, however, you know, maybe once a year or whatever. Yeah, it mostly and involves I, paddling and, first, and blowing each other. But Thank you, sir. May I have another? Right. And yeah, it didn't. I like this one a little better. What? <laughs> anyway. Um, no, but I mean, because I was, I assumed that this is going to be one of the mothers of the girls or some kind of have some kind of a connection, but I never made that connection. I don't think the movie ever made that connection. No, and it was actually, a, that scene was very well shot. Mm-hmm. And it, it took me right away. And then we get 20 minutes of fucking exposition and wacky hijinks at the fucking Halloween store. Right. And all the first 20 minutes of this movie could have been, been condensed to about five. Right. Well, well, I don't know. We had to find out that she's an artist, so she's really deep and emotional, you know. And then we had to find out that uh, she doesn't like creeps in Halloween stores. Well, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Five minutes. Five minutes will have done it. Because there's a lot of, I mean, because she has the big, long conversation with the roommate that goes on forever and ever. And then yep. she's at the Halloween store, and we pretty much get, you know, more fucking background. That, you know, oh, over yeah. the telephone, there's another fucking yep. conversation with the roommate. And it's like, it just condense all this shit, you know. You know, she could have already had the fucking French maid costume and, you know, showed right. it to her roommate. They could have had the fucking conversation, set everything up. And then, you know, got straight to the abduction and then spent, spend that 15, 20 minutes pushing, you know, with her in captivity being pushed to the point where she fucking breaks. Right. And then have the fucking bloodbath. Right. That's how I will have done it. Now, my, you know, my other big bitch here, if you were going to shoot a movie in black and white, first off, have a reason to shoot it in black and white. And I'm assuming the reason that was shot in black and white is because the comic book was in black and white and they were, you know, uh, during the end credits, they even like show you like the the scene, how they, I guess, use the comic book for the storyboards. 
But the thing is, when you're shooting in black and white, you have to pay more attention to your fucking lighting. Otherwise, every, all the grays blend together. And, the, and it becomes really, really blatantly apparent. You know, the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, why is this in black and white? Because it was obviously shot on video. Right. So why is this in fucking black and white? It doesn't need to be. There's nothing, there's no reason for this movie to be in black and white. And then the fact that these people apparently don't know how to shoot in black and white makes it, it just annoyed the piss out of me throughout the entire movie. And then when you, when you see like the comic book panels compared to the actual shots in the movie, only Mm -hmm. one shot of the movie looked really good in the kind of grayscale. And that was her dragging the ax down the hallway. Well, in this comic book, uh, that art looked really, really cool. Right, but you have all these contrasts of black and yes, white, and that's and that's exactly right. That's what I was just gonna say. I mean, it's it's a lot easier to see to to kind of take the scene in, in as a whole as opposed to you know what we got. You know, right? Because uh, black and white shooting is not really black and white. You're shooting in grayscale, which means you've got to like light what you need lit to make it brighter. And, you know, your shadows have to be deep. You have to have that contrast. Otherwise, things are not going to look right. And that's, it bugged the crap of me throughout the entire movie. The other thing, and this is another, one of the, one of these things that so many of these movies do that really betrays their fucking budget. Hire somebody that knows how to do fucking sound. Because uh-huh. you should not have a different frequency background hiss every right. time you cut from one camera angle to another. It's well, so fucking distracting. Even, oh, you're talking camera angle. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, even, I totally even in the you. same scene, you know, you'll cut to a different camera angle. It's still part, I mean, it's still the same scene, but a different right. angle. And you've got it, a hiss it, here, and you don't have an audio hiss there. Fucking right. extract your audio, run a fucking noise reduction filter, then put it, sync it back up. I mean, you can do it in, I mean, we do it for this fucking show. We fucking go in and make sure that, you know, the hiss, you know, from my hot tub out back is not interfering with, you know, whatever room noise you've got. We try to love, right. take all that fucking shit out, or at least we try to. You know, and one thing that was also distracting, and this isn't as blatant as what you're talking about. Just hold about on too, one this... second, because speaking of background noise, Lisa's snoring. Okay. Oh. <laughs> and you will not hear that. Or you might. Please. <laughs> Baby, roll over. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, I, I was just going to mention how, I mean, I don't know how many, I, listen, I'm not a filmmaker. I, oh, nor I am I a friend, but. Well, no, I'm not, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't say what I'm going to say, but I really, I mean, at least I feel like I, I know little, so little about the mechanics of what make up a movie that it's difficult for me to say what they're, what people are doing right. Because if, if they're doing it right, it's just, it's what I expect. You know, I don't, ex- you know, for instance, the sound, the filter, and what, you know what you're saying, right. if I don't notice it. That means I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say what a great sound thing because that's just what I expect. But if I do notice something like that, I'm gonna bitch about it. Exactly. Um, you know, the one, the one thing too that really bothered me is it seemed like the camera. I mean, you know how, it, and I don't know how to explain this. You know how you watch like, let's say, what's a, what's a nice fun TV show? Uh, let's say S, uh, SVU. Okay, you've seen SVU. Sure. 
you know the look Elliot's and feel so of that, okay? I love Elliot. Elliot's such a badass. Um, I love him. Yeah, he, he and he's got our and he's got our hairline. I should have brought up a different one. He what? He's got our hairline. Uh yeah, yeah, well, my hairline he I wish I had his hairline. <laughs> yeah, really. I'll get that little bald thing between <laughs> yeah. right, anyway. Uh okay, so you watch SVU and then you watch like a daytime soap. You know they look totally different. Like the cameras, you know, I, I it's hard for me to explain. But just the look of the show looks different. Now, it doesn't matter. It, it's not that any one are better than the other, you know, because they're, the movie or the show is consistent. The daytime show is consistent, you know, and I can't think of a daytime show. Uh, and, you know, and then SVU is consistent. The problem with this is I found that there were some different textures, like, within this one movie where something would look a certain way and it would look like kind of like how the – am I even making sense? To no, you? absolutely. I understand exactly what you're saying. So, I mean, for some of the outdoor scenes, when they were driving the van, my exact van, by the way, which is uh, really creepy. Uh, actually, I got some ideas from this movie. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the outdoor looked like it was filmed like in a daytime soap camera, mm -hmm. whereas the indoor, uh, you know, things were looked like they were filmed, you know, with uh, with an evening, you know, hour-long drama camera. I don't know, and that and it really, it really, I don't know why, but that bothered me. But like I said, it's it's something that if it was consistent, it wouldn't have bugged me. And uh, I mean, I don't know how hard it is to make make sure that it doesn't do that. They could have been doing that with the same camera. I just don't know. But it was a little rough. No, and I, th I think um, that comes from relying entirely on the ambient lighting. You could you have to deal with whatever lighting you've got inside or outside. Whereas, but I mean, it wasn't just the way it was lit; it was completely different looking. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's maybe there's more uh, lighting does more than even I can, uh, you know, even than I understand. Whatever. I mean, that's fine. It was rough. It was a little bit hard for me. There was a couple of good things about this movie, and I mentioned one that they had my same, um, they had my same van, <laughs> and uh, I think that's pretty cool. Which one was and it, by the way? Two, the, it was the town of country, the Chrysler. Oh, okay. See, I've got the Grand Caravan which is, SE. Which is your van, too. Yeah, which is, yeah, you got the Dodge version of that. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, and I really did like the girl. I thought she was okay, and she was pretty cute. Oh, I thought she, and, I thought uh, she, girl number three was very good. I, yeah. I liked her a I lot. Thought, I thought she did a great <laughs> job. Now, the rest of it was, I mean, rest of like the, the scenes of, uh, but like you were saying, they could have, you could have seen what pushed her to the point, because it was pretty, it was pretty quick. But my biggest pet peeve that happened in this movie, and this, this is my biggest pet peeve in, in a lot of horror, well, not a lot, but in some horror movies, is the fact that, okay, they set up this deal where there's a bunch of masked guys, you know, in some kind of a uniform. Now, this just happened to be, pardon me, the Jabberwocky masks with hoodies. You know, they set them up and they, they, they come in, they're running this ritual, and it turns out just to be for shits and giggles. You know, there was no reason why these guys needed to have this 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 big ritual or whatever, because they just went up there and they're like, "Yeah, let's go rape all these girls, and we're gonna we're gonna go around and do this and that." But there's no satan. Yeah, thing. it was like a there fraternity no... prank. Is I think yeah, didn't was... she? I think that's those were the words she used. It was a fraternity prank, and it's well, like yeah, seriously, I, it did fucking... it meant nothing. They did all this pomp and circumstance for nothing, and they set it up to be really cool. And it turned out just to be a bunch of dickweeds. Yeah, exactly, and. I mean, honestly, though, I mean, what fraternity considers, like, uh, kidnapping and rape to be a fucking prank? Uh, 
I mean, I understand like stealing the other team's mascot or whatever, right. you know, <laughs> but kidnapping nine random victims and like brutally right. raping them. Well, and going through the and going through the motions of of, of happy making it all ceremonial and and getting skulls and, and putting the numbers of the girls on them with with red wax, melted wax, and all this stuff. Could have been really cool. You know, I wish that would have, something would have come of that, but they just kind of like, oh, by the way, all this shit's going on. Let's not worry about the, about the backstory to that. No, anyway. no, it was all about her fucking going around chopping these dickweeds up. And for, that worked for me. I mean, that whole, mm-hmm. that whole shit was fucking awesome. Well, that the, the the part I'm not I'm not saying that the chopping them up sucked. I'm not saying oh, no. that, but I just but, but yeah, there was absolutely really, yeah, it was it was a stupid fucking plot device. I was just really hoping there would be something bigger than just a bunch of you know trashy dickweeds, and that's it. You know, a bunch of uh, criminals. That's all. Yeah, anyway, it's, it was a satanic I, ritual would have been more plausible than a fraternity prank. Or yeah, uh, at, well, at least in it, I think if it were a fraternity prank or just a bunch of criminals getting together, they wouldn't have bothered with all that stuff. I mean, you're leaving all sorts of fingerprints on skulls and blah blah blah, you know, whatever. But who knows? I'm not a criminal. I don't know the criminal mind. Yeah, apparently Maybe. I do drive it down the country. Yeah. Well, my wife does. Yeah. Dude, I can start worrying about her anyway. Yeah, because no. uh, that's about. There's, <laughs> there's another minivan in our next movie too. That's quite sinister. So, apparently, yes. Appa- oh, yes, there is indeed. So the. Nice. We might be onto something here. Minivan uh, drivers, me, it's just, just better we... time. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, I used to drive one of those giant old Chevy vans just because in the high G school. The G-Series? You know, I don't, I don't even know, but it was one of those big mother ones that had, like, the curtains and stuff. Oh, yeah. I had one there of those, were... too, when all the kids were at home. We had to have one with Well, we had to have kids. one, too. I'd take it on dates. I found out that some girls' parents wouldn't, didn't, that wouldn't let their daughters go out with me because I drove a van. Well, yeah, like that's the only reason. I'm sure yeah, I really. I can think of about uh, 12 okay, more reasons. Okay, but go to girlnumber3.com. I, you know, I, everyone, I am friends with Herschel Zond on uh, Facebook, and I do see that he's got a lot of stuff going on, um, you know, and uh, he actually has some uh, stage things going on, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'd be interested to see what else, what comes next and whatever. And uh, but uh, there you go. That's all I really have to say about that. How about you? Yeah, the core concept. Uh, you know, like I said, the chick getting even with all the guys. That the yeah. the core concept worked for me, and it was entertaining mm-hmm. watching it play out. But uh, the rest of it just didn't do it for me. It took too long to get into it. I would have rather seen her being pushed to the breaking point versus, you know, her hanging out in the costume shop. Right. And, uh, and like I said, the, the whole black and white thing, it just, you know, it was, it was pointless to me. Uh, you know, you've you got to know how to shoot in black and white or else it's just going to look flat. So, all but right, man. Over, overall, yeah, I mean, I could, I mean, I didn't feel like I'd wasted my time when I got done just simply because the last uh, half hour or so was uh, pretty fucking entertaining. Yeah, and and a lot of that has to do with uh, the actress that played girl number three. You know, and I and, and if there's one thing that really that that really shines in this movie, I think it's her her performance, the her body language as she's doing all the stuff and uh, killing and whatnot. So, but there there was one thing that did kind of get a little annoying though was like they would like she'd kick one of these guys' asses and, and kill them and then there'd be like the close up shot of her saying something like 
fucking badass, and then you get the you know, power chords, and then fade to black. <laughs> they did that like a dozen times in this movie. And it was just like, nice. It was like the first time it was it was fucking funny. The, about the third or fourth, it was like, okay, really? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Get thrown at it, motherfucker. Exactly. But, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I didn't feel like I wasted my time. It was uh, there was enough there to keep me interested, but a lot of flaws that you know, really annoyed the piss out of me too. Well, sweet man. Uh, so uh, let's. Just, I assume we could just go right into the next one. Oh, why the hell not? Bleeding Lady, B L E A D I N G Lady, which is actually also you can find it under the 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 uh, title Star Vehicle. Um, came out in 2010, and it was written and directed by Ryan Nicholson. Now, have you seen any other Ryan Nicholson films? Um, I don't know. Name some of them. Uh, okay, so he is known for us, you know, uh, over-the-top gore and violence type movies. Uh, Live Feed, Gutter Balls. Gutter Balls. Hanger. Gutter Balls. Have you seen Gutter yes. Balls? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> Listen, uh, you know what the funny thing is, is Ryan Nicholson actually uh, does makeup and effects work um, on a lot of stuff like that, that, that we've heard about, mm-hmm. you know, um, in a lot of TV shows, stuff like that. Um, you know, it's, most of it's pretty, you know, even mainstream, um, you know, even for like kids shows and stuff like that, like Kyle XY is one of them. But uh, the movie he, the movies that he directs and, uh, and uh, shoots... To, uh, writes are uh, yeah life feed gutter balls and hanger. Hanger is the story about um, a wire a hanger abortion uh, uh, <laughs> uh, abortion gone wrong and uh, he ends up living and uh, getting his uh, revenge. Anyway, sweet. So you know, and, and, and I have to say that starting off, I do kind of have a soft spot for Ryan Nicholson because it's like you know gutter balls. It was just such beautiful garbage. And it was just, I don't know, over the top, just so ridiculous. And same with Hanger. But I ended up, like, really enjoying the movie. So, I don't know. I don't know what that says about me. Um, and also, uh, for a good time, go to IMDb on one of his movies and look at the comments sections. Uh, I think he's he goes by something like Plot Digger Films. That's his, that's his company and whatever. Uh, but uh, you know, the, the username's plot digger or something like that. And, uh, I, it had to be on gutter balls or maybe even live feed, but he is like hilariously mean to people who hate him, his stuff. Like he'd go in and just start calling all sorts of names and being a real douchebag about it. But it's so, it's really fun to listen or to, to read over and whatnot. So there you go for a good time. Go check that out. And, um, who played the lead actor in this? Was it Ron Ellis? Is that his name? Dan, Dan Ellis. Dan Ellis. He, yeah. He's a Nicholson staple. Yeah. He, yeah. He was in gutter balls as well. And he's, he, he was in hanger. Yeah. And he's actually a, a really fucking good actor. I enjoy yep. his stuff. Well, you know, and it's, and it's funny because he gets placed in these really weird, uh, roles, which I mean, I I haven't seen everything he's done obviously, but he was in such, uh, beauties is like monster retard dead, uh, you know, in these Nicholson films. So I haven't, I haven't caught those yet, but, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm with you. I think that's one of the things about uh, Nicholson films. I like is, is, uh, Dan Ellis. He's putting these like over the top weird 
roles, and then he just, you know, he plays them straight, whatever. It's awesome. Yeah, I could, I could actually see him doing something a little more mainstream. I mean, maybe not, you know, I, of course, I don't see him moving into, like, the A-list, but definitely mm-hmm. a step up from, uh, you know, this level. I think mm-hmm. I think he'd do really well. I'd like to see him in do something you get, like... Wait, do you get higher than the John in, in uh, Hanger? <laughs> no? No? Okay. Maybe. Anyway. Well, I think from there you can, there's, there's maybe a little room to move up the ladder. Yeah, potentially. I mean, only, only if your name's Tom, what's his name? Gosh dang, why can't I ever remember Tom, the running guy's name? Tom, the running guy. Come on, come on. Maverick? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise? Okay. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) He's always running. Uh, this also starred Cindy Faraguna, Cindy with an S-I-N. Ooh. <laughs> she played uh, Reversa Red. Uh, Nathan Dorek is Luke, the director. Nick Winderbeck is the lodge boy. And uh, Mike Lee, Frankie, the driver. Uh, you want to give us a uh, plot rundown? Uh, I guess I can. Uh, our guy, Ellis, he's a uh, driver for this film crew that is shooting a low-budget film movie. He has an obsession with... Uh, the redhead chick, whatever her name was. Reverse of Reverse red. red. Or Cindy. Cindy with a sin. Yes. And um, I guess there's a stalker that is going after her. And any you can't say anything bad about Miss Red without... Uh, pissing Dawn pissing off. Pissing Dawn off, exactly. So he kicks some right. ass. But uh, he gets pushed to his fucking breaking point and goes on a fucking killing spree. No, nope. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Basically. Well, and you know, it's funny because uh, we get to know that uh, Dawn is this like horror movie slash exploitation movie connoisseur. And, and you know, he, he likes to... There was one funny part where he was in, uh, in the car and he was driving the director there. And he was like totally kind of wasting the director, Luke. Um, on his movie knowledge and whatever, because I mean, Luke was kind of a kind of a pretentious dickweed, which shockingly you find a lot in the movie working with people who do movies. I imagine you. I, yeah, I, I don't know if you would ever guess that. Yeah, which which is surprising <laughs> because there's so many of these independent people are they're so fucking nice, and then there's others that are so fucking oh. full of themselves. And I and I've met both. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, likewise. I mean, I'm not going to name any names. <clears throat> I'll name names. He named names. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, podcasters that think they're filmmakers. and Hey, what? <laughs> Who? Huh? Anyway. Uh, you know, and, and so, okay, for now, let, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, about the, about the, the good, the good parts of this, of the show. What do you think? Let's start off there. We just kind of went off on bad for on the girl number three, um, but I thought that I thought the plot was coherent. There was actually a pretty sweet twist in the end that uh, I didn't necessarily see coming. I thought I figured it out, but alas, I was incorrect. Um, Dan Ellis is in this. He does a good job. Quality nudity. There's a couple of parts of quality nudity. Mm-hmm. Um, this one isn't nearly as overly violent and twisted as uh, like what what I'm used to seeing from Nicholson. But, uh, you know, I mean, it still has its share. Um, you know, so say, say what you want about that. Uh, the one thing, that, and I'll be honest with you, I to start in on the bad things, 
the the very very first scene in this movie almost made me not be able to finish it. As as a matter of fact, I turned it off after the first scene. Be, before yeah, I got to the credits, I turned it off and I was like, ah, I'm going to go to something else and then come back to this because the first scene, yeah, it was. It was the acting was probably some of the worst I'd ever seen. And and not and, not only that, um, just the whole idea that you've got four people in a van, and not one of them are, go- are going to fight back. And then just like the, well, what happens? I mean, we're not spoiling anything. It happens in the first thirty seconds. Right. Uh, the actual guy that's hired as the driver is riding around with a bunch of his friends, and Ellis comes out, uh, hijacks the van, uh, takes all four of the people out of the van, gets them to kneel down at gunpoint, then puts the gun away and gets out a machete and starts hacking away at them. And <laughs> and it cuts to them, and they're just like all covered in blood, but they're all like just screaming and covering their hands up like they're on a roller coaster ride or some shit. Instead yeah. of getting hacked up with a fucking machete, it was uh, it was a horrible. Everything about the first, say, three minutes of this movie yeah. was fucking enough to turn me off. And you know the funny thing is, is I had I, for some reason I had skipped that part. The you know I, I guess on just sheer sheer luck, uh, the first time I watched it, and then I I I actually kind of went in to just kind of watch this quickly again and. Uh, and I caught the first scene, and I was like, I can't believe I, I sat through the whole thing if that were the first one. But I couldn't end up watching it again because that was terrible. Um, there, you know, there were some small technical issues, sound issues. There's some rough editing in the part. Uh, but let me ask you something about the music. Um, I don't typically notice a lot of the music, and I think this has to go along with. Um, with if they do it right, then I don't notice it. But if they suck, I do. Exactly. You know what I mean? Obvious. Obviously, when you have like an epic uh, soundtrack, like uh, Once Upon a Time in the West or something like that. I mean, you you are feeling the epicness, and you can recognize that that is, you know, that, that that's in part because of just the the outstanding uh, music going on in the background as well, or you know, in the sound direction, whatever. Uh, but this, you know, and he didn't even really notice the sound issues for a while. And it wasn't really the sound issues; it was song issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was there was like f- three or four songs, and I have to admit, the, after the, after the very first scene, there was a cool little tune while while we're watching a van get washed of all the blood and stuff. Oh yeah, it was a catchy little tune. You know, I mean, it was kind of a throwback type of thing. I mean, it kind of looked like it was trying to be a little bit uh, hobo with the shotgun, you know, type of type of deal. But, uh, no, I mean, and that was really cool. It was, you know, kind of started off the, that whole scene really, I think, um, that's cause I think that's where I started in the first, the first time I watched it. And, uh, I was like, Oh, sweet. We're in for, we're in for a, a decent, uh, a decent flick here. But, uh, the problem was, is when it would, whenever there would be a part where there's just dialogue and, you know, it's one-on-one between Don and reverse of red, the same quiet quote unquote whatever uh happy music or what not necessarily kind of like ballad type exactly it was the same it was the same piece of music over and over and it was it just grated on my nerves after a while yeah and there was a couple a couple points where like for instance when he's uh taking the film crew out when he's finally like snaps and takes the film crew out to kill them mm-hmm. yep. if there's like this you know casio keyboard style but, and see, I just kind of wondered since, you know, I wonder how intentional that was 
whether that was like a, an homage to like the late 80s horror flicks where you got so much of that kind of, you know, that style of kind of poppy synth music. Well, and, so and, I'll, and I'll tell it you, was distracting it at the... first. And then I thought, well, maybe that's intentional. Maybe that's, you know, a little in joke or something. I didn't even really notice. Um, I mean, the, I didn't really think that the music was that bad itself. It's just that they use the same three, four riffs over and over and over. Yeah, and you which know? and you know we talked about Eyes Without a Face, where you know, you had those three or four motifs that they used repeatedly, well, but, they were, but they were very good. <laughs> but they were also well, and good. Well, and and that's true. And you know, like I said, this was just I don't know. I I just every time that kind of there's like kind of like a a strumming guitar in the background, and oh, I was just like, oh my gosh. After two or three times of hearing that, it's just I was I did not want it just ruined the the rest of the parts that I had it for me. Now, um, anyway, that's all I guess I'll really say about that because I'm just starting to rant a little bit. Um, there was a couple of parts where I felt like uh, there was let's see I can't remember specifically, but there was a couple of fourth wall breakdown moments where Don actually talked to the talk to the uh, um, uh, audience, and I, I thought that was a pretty interesting decision to make. What would you think? Um, I di really didn't pay attention. I must have missed that. I've... I mean, it, it literally was maybe one, maybe two times, uh, but he, he would just say, well, I bet you right now this is what you're thinking, but that's not what I was thinking. Or, you know, just something like that, just like out of nowhere. Honestly, it was just kind of bizarre. Honestly, I don't remember that. Huh. So apparently it didn't make that much of an impression on me. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, so I don't know. So, I mean, what, what, did, what did you think? What were the ups and downs for you? Well, for me, of course, uh, Ellis's, uh, acting was uh, spot on. I thought, mm -hmm. um, the, what's her name? God, I can't think of her first name. Reversa, Reversa Red. Red. Her voice got fucking annoying after a while. Whenever uh, she, like those... when she was talking in, her, in a normal tone of voice, everything was great, and I thought she was really good. But like at the end, when she's like screaming and stuff, her voice just oh my god, it just grated on my fucking nerves. <laughs> but that, that's nitpicky. Um, I did, you know, and, I didn't and, I, and the scenes where they were showing the movie within the movie right. were. Fucking spot on, hilarious. I thought, right? I mean, because they would. There was a definite shift in the acting, and uh, the lines that they were spitting out were just so fucking hilarious. Like, oh yeah, six six six, the mark of the devil. And I was just like, I was <laughs> right. just laughing my balls off. That shed scene, the shed scene, and when they found that, uh, you know, half a corpse hanging there, and it was like he died. So we could live. And it was yeah. just like, oh my God, this is so hysterical. I love that you, stuff. That stuff I ate up. My, my, You know what I thought when they did that? I'm like, okay. So if this is, I thought to myself, just joking. I'm like, if this is how these people really act, um, you know, I guess uh, what we're getting from the non movie inside the movie is pretty good, relatively. Yeah, exactly. But, but you know, <laughs> I would probably be entertained as hell by that movie within a movie because it was so fucking cheesy oh, yeah, and over yeah. the top. Plus there was more nudity. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but my, my problem, my problem with this movie was the story. I think, oh, really? I think, 
you you had two different ideas here. The the stalker line storyline, I think that would have been interesting. You know, you have a stalker, you know, a kind of a whodunit thing trying to figure out, you know, is Ellis the stalker or you right. know or you know, when they killed the boyfriend, you know, okay, that was kind of interesting. You know, he's off the stalker, but and then you find mm-hmm. out you know, the kind of quote unquote twist ending, which I completely different didn't get into. Oh, really? I, I didn't care for the twist ending. I, I don't like movies that go back and explain shit to me because I was like, okay, that didn't make sense anyway. I mean, it was just silly. It's pointless. Mm-hmm. And, but like the whole stalker storyline, who is stalking, you know, this screen queen, I think would have made an interesting movie. Mm-hmm. I also think, yeah. I also think a guy who is like obsessed with movies, kind of like making his own real life horror movie would have been an interesting concept as well. Right. I think right. either one of those two by, by themselves would have made an interesting movie. Um, putting them both together in the same movie just didn't work for me. Because it's like, okay, well, what about all this stuff with the stalker and stuff? It just, you know, we just disappeared and completely shifted gears into this completely other thing. And, you know, so that, that just didn't work for me. You know, I'm going to... I, I'm going to, I mean, I'm not, I, that's your opinion, but I mean, obviously I'm not, I was going to say I disagree, but I was just say, you know, I, I feel a little bit differently about it. I did actually like the fact that, um, you know, there was this uh, stalker deal, but you know, it, it may be right. I, I, I didn't really pay much attention to Bo making, or not Bo. Yeah, no, uh, that was Don, Don making his own movie. I didn't really, I mean, I realized that he used that as a, is a, a reasoning behind him, you know, taking everybody out of the van later on in the, in the movie and, you know, making them dig and, and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, I, I did think that the, the whodunit type of thing was good enough, the whole stalker thing. And, you know, the, the other part of it didn't really bother me too much. I, like I said, I do have a kind of a soft spot for Nicholson. So I, you know, I think, I think, I think I enjoyed this movie. Um, maybe a little bit in anticipation for, you know, just knowing it's a, I mean, uh, it, whatever Ryan Nicholson is going to end up doing. But uh, I don't know. All in all, you know, I, I actually enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I, d- I didn't hate so, it. But li- like I said, there was, there was enough there to keep me interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of it had to do with Ellis, to be perfectly honest. I mean, sure. he, he just did such a great job that, you know, he, he kept me entertained. Um, you know, I so, think I have a... And, you know, yeah, I'm I'm saying that the the it seemed disjointed to me. It seemed like it, you know, d- completely dropped one plot to get you know one concept to go okay. with another. Uh, that's not to say I dis disliked the movie. I I, right. I didn't. Okay. There was enough there that I enjoyed it overall. Mm-hmm. But I would have rather seen one thing or the other. Okay. No, and I and I could see that. I I. Uh... Yeah, I, I actually like this movie. Um, you know, I it, it's it seems like we're spending more time talking about the negative than the positive. You know, what, let me ask you something. I think I'm a little bit retarded here, uh, retard dad actually. Here, um, you know, Reverse of Red. I I don't for some reason I don't really get into girls that look like that. You know, they kind of are. You, you know what I'm saying? That kind of look where it's like they're just so overdone meaning you know and i mean i'm not talking just for a movie it just she would she just looks such like high 
maintenance, so much makeup and all that stuff. I don't know. I, 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 I had a hard time with her this whole movie, except for that one time where we flashed back to her last movie. <clears throat> if you know what I mean? Oh yeah, where the nude scene. Yeah, but I don't know that that was one part, and I'm sure that I'm the only male on the planet that even cares about that. But I mean, she just kind of looked. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, she drew her eyebrows on. She was so like tanned. Yeah, she I don't did know. have a lot of eye makeup. No, yeah, no, the, it, it, no the one chick I thought would like to have seen, like in that final scene, yeah. was the producer chick. She only has like thirty seconds of screen time, where yep. she's like breaking up the, a fight. Mm-hmm. But man, she had are a, you talking about the makeup lady or is there no the makeup? Miss, or that's the thing. Okay. She's only in there sure. for a second, where she's right. like, no, this isn't. The director's like, well, this is my fucking movie, and she's like, no, this is my right. fucking movie. Oh, but okay. she had a, like an amazing rack. Yeah. And I thought she had a good Actually, look, and I was like, okay, like, let's get her out there fucking naked. But it didn't happen, yeah. so <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm going to have to check brown, IMDb the, and the, see the where... brunette there that did that. I liked her the best, I think, out of all of them. The, the right. actress? Uh, yeah, the, the brunette, the, the actress brunette, yes. Yeah, I thought she was pretty good looking, too. And I, I, I thought she, her, her role is kind of like the ditzy... Right. Yeah, I thought she did a good job She's too. She's six, six, six. Yes, I mean, I thought she did a good job considering what she was given to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I really liked her as well. Yeah, I just wish she had kind of more deal. I don't know. What do I know? I don't make movies, but anyways. And um, <laughs> uh, as far as the effects go, they were a little uneven for me when uh, one guy gets oh, yeah. one guy gets his face ripped open with the uh, crowbar. I yeah. thought that looked really spectacular. But uh-huh. then later on, well, first, like that opening scene was just fucking horrible. And yeah, let's uh, forget about that. And scene. then, like, the stabbing scene later on where, uh, you know, he's in the grave oh, yeah. just repeatedly stabbing apparently a piece of latex. Yeah, it's. I don't know. That was. That was weak. And I, I know they can do better effects because I've seen Gutter Balls. Right. So, you know, I was a little disappointed. Dude, by the I way, what about your man Don L. or Don? Uh, he, he are you? Did you just? I don't know. I didn't. You, you broke up a little bit when you were saying about the the stab scene. But were you talking about his final stab scene? Oh uh, yeah, when he's in the grave, uh, stabbing the oh, chick. Yeah. Did he? I mean, yeah, the latex part. But that looked, that looked like it did not look like he was stabbing a person. He kind of looked like he was, you know, pretending to stab, which obviously he was. But you don't want it to look like he's pretending to stab. That was one part that bothered me too, but. Yeah, whatever. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm. I mean, could, there were there was that one. Like I said, one effect shot was fucking great, and mm-hmm. I wish the uh, rest of the effect shots would have risen to that standard. Yep. But but anyway, like like I, I said, I, all I, in I, all, I would recommend this movie. Yeah, all, I mean, I all in all, there was enough. There was enough that you know I I didn't fucking hate it, and I'm, I was entertained mm-hmm. for an hour and a half. This uh, you can go to StarVehicleMovie.com to get just. Uh, uh, th- this movie's website, go to plotdigger.com, which is Ryan Nicholson's uh, company, production company. And uh, I actually got the screener through breakingglasspictures.com. Uh, I would say go over there and check it out. And, uh, you know, thanks for sending over the screeners. But uh, there we go. Awesome. Let's see. All right, man. We got one more to do, one more to go, um, which is one that uh, you've, uh, unbeknownst to me before I chose it. In fact, this is one of the reasons why I, I, I figured we should do this is because Bo Buckley emailed me a few times. Uh, Death of the Dead. 
It's uh, actually coming out this year. It was ri- it was directed by Gary King and it was written by Bo Buckley. Uh, let's see. It starred Christina Rose as Wanda, Jack Abelli as Master Sensei, William Lee as Evil Sensei, and uh, Michael Blaustein as Donnie. Uh, basically, okay. So this is uh, kind of a you know your I mean not not kind of a, at all. I mean this is uh, mostly a comedy movie with horror uh, overtones in it. I mean we do have zombies things like that. But uh, we're introduced to Wanda, who is some you know she she totally looks like this really butt ugly nerd. And she has the coordination of a seizure victim. Um, and when I say that, she looks really hot. Um, and you can tell that they're trying to make her not look good for the movie. Uh, kind of a she's all that type of thing. But uh, she, basically, she and she's you know made fun of at school by the, by the quote-unquote cheerleaders, who I think a better way to describe them would be stripper, stripper club. Um, but because they all, yeah, I... High school cheerleaders didn't look like that when I was in high school. Maybe times have changed that much. Uh, but anyway, uh, basically her karate trainer is uh, just, you know, this older, nice-looking guy. It turns out he's some kind of a weird dildo aficionado and, uh, you know, ball gags and all the whole deal. But uh, And that's weird. Uh, Why? No, I'm just saying. Well, I'm just saying it's uh, it, oh, like it, we're it's not. really. Well, well li- listen, I have one set of anal beads. You sent them to me. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, no, but basically I'm just saying that, I mean, that comes a lot into play. He just seems like an older kind of a wise, what he would seem to be a wise guy, a wise person. He's a sensei and all what, you know, and some of the humor that comes out is when he's just kind of a dick, uh, or, or, you know, just kind of, I don't know when he's, when Wanda looks up to him for some wisdom and he just comes out with a, yeah, I, I, I kind of thought you sucked too. Um, anyway, uh, let's see, uh, Basically, there's a rival karate school that uh, um, actually run over a, a couple of scientists that are dumping t- toxic chemical waste down the sewer. Uh, they all get turned into high-flying, flesh-eating ninja zombies. I guess that's what you call them. Uh, they basically go around town wreaking havoc on the town, uh, turning everybody else into zombie ninjas, and uh, basically... Uh, in, in great Karate Kid style, Wanda has to overcome, you know, her shortcomings and save the day. Anyhow, so what'd you think, my man? Um, well, if you really want to hear what I think about this movie, I, I did already cover this on JFMP. Um, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm sorry to double up on you. Oh, that's that's okay. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't realize that you'd done that. Oh no, it's no big deal. I mean, to me, to me, I found it was a, a little uneven. You've got this kind of, I think the way I described it, there, there's a lot of it is like directly influenced by the Zucker brothers. And then a lot of it is directly influenced by trauma, which mm-hmm. are two very different styles of humor. So mm-hmm. whether or not they mixed well, I guess is just a matter of taste. I did see it. In fact, I, I I did actually think to myself that this guy had seen a lot of trauma. I mean, it's, you know, uh, just with the there's a lot of like group dynamics, which there I don't know why, but there seems to be in trauma movies where there's a bunch of people, you know, kind of running on the same joke, uh, things like that. But um, it's I don't know where I'd like to start is. Basically, it, I thought it was, out of all the movies that we've, we've seen here, I thought it was probably the best as far as technical things look, or, or technical things go. The looks and the sound were really good. 
Uh, well, I mean, what do you think? Uh, technically, yeah, I think it was a well-shot movie. And, and I mean, that, that's all you have to say. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I, I didn't really, I didn't really notice all of the, you know, all of the same kind of, uh, uh, you know, issues with the sound or issues with the, with the shooting or, you know, just the technical aspects of the films that, that, you know, you kind of notice in some of these other movies. Yeah, a, a lot of, a lot of my, I mean, I guess the drawbacks to this movie or my personal complaints is mm-hmm. if you're going to like do a spoof of a movie, like for instance, the karate kid thing. Right. Um, the, the, you, you set it up to look and feel like the karate kid. Mm-hmm. And then you put a variation on that to get your joke. Right. And this, you know, the, the whole like, you know, showdown with the bad guy, you know, the you know, jerk from the uh, rival karate thing, you know, happens in the first, what, 15, 20 minutes. Yep. And it, it never really felt like a spoof of uh, the Karate Kid. It just felt right. kind of like a generic karate tournament. And Well, and I think that was also a, uh, maybe that maybe, was a budget yeah, limitation. Yeah, a budget limitation. So that's, but that's one of those things where, you know, if, you know, you've got to decide whether or not it works. And if it doesn't work, maybe you need to try a variation, a different variation on it. If you uh-huh. see what if you see what I'm saying, no, I I do see what you're saying because I mean just like I was saying, it's like if you don't have the budget to to do CGI, don't do CGI. I guess if you if you don't have the budget to make it look like a you know the the all county karate you know whatever, then then don't try. Yeah, you know, I I th- yeah, I think that's what I'm getting at. And the other thing is the Zucker brothers, like like I said, some of the, like for instance, one of the jokes was directly out of airplane. Uh, except there was a very slight variation on it, but you know, the scene where everybody's lined up to slap the hysterical woman. And then some mm-hmm. of them have like, like you pan back through the plane and everybody's lined up to knock her out. And some of them, then you get like more and more brutal weapons right. and you have that exact same joke, except like there's a variation that I won't spoil on it. But that, I mean, but that joke is lifted directly out of the Zucker brothers mm-hmm. and, but the Zucker brothers style is, is very, uh, especially when you talk about like top secret and airplane, it's it's straight line, straight line, straight line joke, straight line, straight line, straight line joke. You and I know a little German. He's over there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know the and there's a certain deadpan you know, feel to it, and it's not. It doesn't go into sheer lunacy a lot of the right. times. It, there's a certain plausibility about it, and then you stick in the clever line. And like I said, trauma is very different. It's all very over the top and Uh goofy and lowbrow. And so that's, that's kind of where I had my issues here was, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe pick a style and stick with it. But the the last half hour of this movie, I thought was fucking incredible. I, I mean, the big showdown once you know she's finally you know, got her magic belt or whatever, and you know, yeah, and she's hot. She's finally not. She's finally hot, right? Yeah, and but one of the things like straight off the bat that really bothered me, like there's that scene outside with the uh, the girl with the piercings and the oh, evil right. cheerleaders half her bra. And it's like, right. what the fuck is that scene about? I mean, this, the scene goes nowhere other than to make basically a poop scene joke. 
I'll, I'll tell you was, what it was, in my opinion. Um, I think it was the fact that we just got done over watching a um, cheerleader locker room lesbo scene. And we were still kind of, we for those of us who weren't done peeling one off, we had that whole time to finish. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I would rather extend the lesbo locker room scene for another five, three minutes than... <laughs> I mean, but, but yeah, and going back to what I was saying earlier about your storytelling, you know, the scene, mm-hmm. I mean, the scene, yeah, I understand it was there to show that this girl was the victim and the right. cheerleaders were evil, but we already knew that about the cheerleaders. And this character really doesn't show up again for another hour into the fucking movie. Right. The Yeah. So, you know, it, it was really just a pointless scene could have come out and you know, there's bits and pieces of that where it was just there trying to get to a joke. And if the joke doesn't work, then the whole scene becomes pointless. Right. Well, you know, and they, and they did bank a lot of, uh, like bet a lot of scenes on just their, their, their joke. Uh, for instance, uh, there was a couple of scenes where like, I don't know, there were some flashbacks, some other things where this, there was kind of some, there were, there was some fighting that would have been really cool if it was Jackie Chan or, or you know, whoever in it. But I mean, the the big joke is is that it was so obvious that the that the stunt guys fighting weren't them, right? You know, and I mean, and that was funny at first, but I think after a while, I mean, they just they just kept kind of banking on that joke and banking on that joke, and it just got a little bit old, um, you know. But I mean, there were other things that worked for me as well, you know, uh, like uh, the Wilhelm scream, which I love very much, was used a lot. Oh yeah, uh, you know, uh, you know, there were. Uh, there, there were a lot of things that worked for me in this, and I don't. And, and now that you you talk about the, you know, the airplane type of uh, humor versus the trauma type, yeah. I mean, I, I I do see that. I did. It didn't. I didn't really get hung up on it as much. Uh, I I I guess I noticed more of the trauma style of of the uh, you know of the joke just being kind of crazy. Um, and there were a lot of the. Uh, I think what what you're talking about. Who who did that? The Zucker. Who did the airplane? Oh, and the, the Zucker brothers. Zucker brothers. Jim yeah. Abrams, um, uh, Pat Proft, and the Zucker brothers. Oh, yeah, well, okay. Well, I mean, there were some of those in, you know, they tried to do like with the, uh, like with the wisdom of the sensei and, you know, stuff like that. And yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And um, yeah. And this guy was no Leslie Nielsen. And that's not to say that all the joke, none of the jokes worked because a lot of, no, a lot I of them thought, did. I actually laughed at quite a few times. Yeah. And uh, Humor, of course, is is very subjective, and you know what may be funny to you is not necessarily going to be funny to me. Right. But where I mean, there were there was a lot there that I did laugh at, and having mm-hmm. watched it several times, uh, some of it worked when I was in a different mood. That oh, yeah, didn't right. work, yeah, you know, when I was yeah you know, maybe another time when I watched it because I've seen it like three times now. Oh really? Yeah. So that that was my number. One. That was my first time, and I will admit that I was. I it was funny because I I watched Attack of the Vegan Zombies right before I watched this, and I was kind of ready for some just just something that was kind of pretty to look at, and uh, um, you know maybe a little lighter. Yeah, not quite as somber as. Yeah. So and and maybe that had something to do with it. Let me ask you something. And this and, and this is what we talked about before we started recording is. The the name Death of the Dead is 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 tough for me. Is it was actually really rough for me to actually get interested in watching this movie because how many blanks of the dead low budget movies have been made? 
and how many of them are the same zombie movie that we've all seen 100,000 times. You know, so Death of the Dead was a little bit, the, the title itself to me was a little bit misleading, where, yeah, I mean, this was kind of a zombie movie, but, but I mean, the same type of, uh, I guess, this you know, there was an infection going around or some kind of evil deal going around, and it turned them into zombies. Of course, this time they were zombie ninjas. But I think that there was a big enough of a difference in what these guys were changed into so that that, that I, it, what, it didn't just get – I didn't, in my brain, pile this on with all the other, you know, uh, Dawn of the De- – or uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead, you know, basically remakes, which, you know, not really remakes, but just steal that story. So, I mean, that was one thing I was happy about. <clears throat> and I guess Vegan Zombies did kind of the same thing as well. Yeah, we got two very different variations on the zombie thing, which is, I mean, that's one of the things that we were talking about. You know, we want to see something fucking different in the zombie genre. And I think both these movies, uh, well, Vegan Zombies definitely delivered something very different. And mm-hmm. um, as as far as spoofs go, I thought this was a pretty decent one. And, uh, uh, you know, it goes back to kind of like the old, you know, toxic spill thing from back in the 80s. Sure. You know, those style zombie movies. And um, there's nods to other movies as well. Uh, so, all in all, I thought uh, Death of the Dead, you know, it was kind of come somewhere in the middle for me. But then, like I said, <laughs> other times when I've watched it, you know, it was a little bit better than, you know, maybe I thought it was the first time I saw it. And, you know, I, I don't know if this is thinly veiled or what, but uh, I actually, uh, just out of sheer coincidence, uh, put these in the order from my least liked to my most liked. Uh, you know, so I guess that's what it says about Death of the Dead. And I know you feel differently about uh, specifically vegan zombies. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, out of all, all these four, I think this is the one that I would rec- give the highest recommend to. Yeah, I definitely... Uh... My my first response would be to say, you know, rent it if you get a chance. If you see it on sure. Netflix, yeah, that, I'd definitely say check it out before I went and bought it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, I was uh, pretty much entertained. You know, all, all these movies have their flaws. Sure. But I can't say I regret watching any of them. No, and plus I'm not one of those dildos that are like, have, are like I want 90 minutes of my life back because honestly – with those 90 minutes, I probably would have been dumb, doing something really stupid anyway. So, well, that, well, I mean, lethal obsession. <laughs> I wish I had that. I could have been drinking. Uh, oh yeah, that yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that's a good point. I mean, I forget that that when we talk about movies, there was such a, a bar set so low as lethal obsession. Yeah. You know, if that if we were grading on a curve, <laughs> and uh, and lethal obsession was like the 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 stick. The measuring stick. Then we watched four versions of Citizen Kane this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's going to be great, dude. But it, but yeah. the, but it all goes back to what I was saying earlier. You know, you take a look at a movie like Lethal Obsession, and then take a look at these. Yeah, there's there's glaring flaws in all these movies. But mm, absolutely, but they all start with they all have something strong going for them, whether it be you know, one or two decent performances or, uh, you know, some solid writing or at least a, a, a strong concept to build off of. It doesn't matter what the budget is. Um, right. You know, and, you, you know, you talked about Rebel Without a Crew. Uh, I think the budget on El Mariachi was, what, seven grand? 
Seven grand. Seven grand, and look what Rodriguez did with that. So well, there's no excuse if you've got ten grand to spend on the movie. Right. Uh, there's no excuse for it sucking unless you just have no talent. <laughs> no, I. You know, I. I. I don't know. Do you, would you? Would you? Would you guess that El Mariachi was a um, was a uh, exception to the? I mean. For how good a movie should be on that kind of budget, or do you think that that's kind of should that be the measuring stick? Because that was a pretty good movie. That was a damn fine movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it is kind of a high bar to set, but you know, we, I mean, the movies we we've talked about this week, and and you know, over at JFMP, you know, I've been doing you know quite a few independent films, you know, recently. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, to me, Dead Hooker in a Trunk was a great fucking movie for its budget. And even (laughs) it's another one of those that I didn't think about the budget when I was watching it. All I thought about was this is a pretty fucking entertaining story. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you had, I'm not sure what the budget was on Tucker and Dale versus evil or hobo with a shotgun Mm -hmm. or machete, you know, budget should not enter into it. If you've got a decent script to start with. Oh yeah, and so well, and you just mentioned some kick-ass movies too. Yeah, abs- absolutely, all of them done on a fucking shoestring. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, there's no excuse for your movie sucking, and unless you're a shitty writer, or a shitty director, or a shitty whatever, <laughs> or you're practicing, or you're practicing. Hope, you know, yeah, and we hope that you all get better, and uh, which is. Come on, man. That was, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. All well, I could, I, I saw watched... a lot of good things, a lot of potential. And I think that's, I think that's one of the, I mean, I assume that's, that's why these movies are being made because, you know, what better way to learn how to make a movie than just to go out and effing make a movie. Well, ex- you know? exactly. I mean, and, you know, again, having, you know, spent some time talking to independent filmmakers over the past few months, you know, you're going to, when you have a, you know, million dollar budget or 5 million or 20 million, you know, you can throw money at a problem to get it fixed. Right. When you are making it and you don't have, you know, the time and money to, for coverage and what have you, you've got to think on your feet. You've got to be innovative and you've got to have, you know, develop, either have a knack for it or develop your skills. And dude, that was straight out of rebel without a crew. Oh, was it really? Yeah. I'm trying to think of who, who was I talking about that to? It might have been, might have been Steve it? Johnson when I, he and I were like drinking moonshine. Oh, uh-huh. but you know, talk. He gave you all the secrets when he was that wasted. Oh uh, well, both of us were pretty wasted, but but yeah, <laughs> it was an interesting conversation. I'm gonna try to get him on. I'm gonna send him an email this week. That'd be sweet. Well, man, uh, I think we, I think we, uh, I think that's about it on those on those movies. Um, I think it's time for the big announcement now. Now let's hear it. Uh, you know how I have a high opinion of myself, right? I have heard that. And I assume that people want to hear more and more of me. And, uh, I, and I assume you feel the same way. No. Right? Uh, yeah. (laughs) Actually, uh, believe it or not, we're going to be starting a new monthly show, um, with, uh, none other than Johnny Krug. And it's going to be Cadaver Indies. Isn't that really uh, uh, the name really uh, 
Yeah, you you saw that coming. Basically, what it is is, I mean, these the, the trailer, the screeners are still are, are still showing up. They're still, you know, we still are uh, going to have to talk about. Them. Not have to. Come on, we want to. So uh, I don't know. Just look out for that. I want to welcome Johnny Crew back to the show, and uh, be looking out for that. We're actually recording one this Thursday, so uh, be on the lookout. And that's it. Awesome. Sweet action. You got anything else for us, man? Uh, no, I guess I'll be talking to you a couple of days about uh, the Italian zombie movies. So uh, be looking for that over at JFMP. And, and uh, also, what what is it? The Giant Rubber Monster movie? Giant Rubber Monster movie, yeah. so Which I've watched three times. Yeah, so we'll actually have an entire show dedicated to Burdensky. And uh, I'm going to give Burdensky a yell, see if he wants to come on and uh, chat about these films. Do it and also give him a lot of shit for his uh, his busted uh, DVD. Yeah, I know. That was like five bucks down the fucking drain. <laughs> you could, like, put that in a stripper's G-string. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But uh, but on, on the plus side, I've got a really badass-looking coaster. Oh, I'll bet. I think I bought the same one. Was it the double feature with that? Yeah, it had all three of the flicks on yeah, it. Yeah, I, I for five bucks too. if you got were one of the first one hundred people or whatever. So shit, yeah, buddy. Yeah, so that was the first place we went uh, on Friday morning was to go get a copy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you so much, Mister Pod God for uh, slumming and uh, doing another episode of Cadaver Classics. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Love doing it. Sweet. Awesome. Catch you later. Later.